There was a boy who told his father this story. He said, Dad, if three frogs are sitting on a limb hung over a pool and one frog decides to jump in, jumps into the pool, how many frogs would be left on the limb? The father said, well, two. He says, Dad, you're, you're not listening. He says, Dad, there's three frogs sitting on a limb. One frog decides to jump off. How many frogs are left? Oh, his dad says, you mean because two of them followed what the other one did, so there'd be no frogs left on the limb. Exasperated, the young son says, no, Dad. There are three frogs sitting on a limb. One decides to jump in. How many are left? So finally the father gives up. He doesn't know. He says, three. I said he decided to jump in. I didn't say he did. How many times have we decided to do things, purposed in our minds to do things, but we haven't done it? There's a difference between thinking about something and doing it. We can always think obedience to God, but God wants those who will do it. We can decide to obey God, but God wants those people that will do it. We've been in this series on submission, authority, things of that nature. Way back when we first started this, we said that submission is not deaf. We use that as an acronym because first off, if we are submitted, we listen to everything we are the person we are submitted to says. But submission is not drama. You obey God. You don't get dramatic about it. You don't let everybody know how hard this is for you, how difficult it is, how much you've sacrificed to obey. You just obey. Submission is not easy. If what you are doing is easy, it is not submission. Because submission is not easy. It is not agreement. If you are doing what... The person, or the God, our God, says to do, because you are in agreement with it, it's not submission. It's agreement. There's a difference between it. Submission is doing something that you don't agree with. Because your higher authority said to do it. Best example is Jesus in the garden. Remember his prayer? Father, not my will, but yours. That meant that Jesus had a will different from the Father, which would mean there was some disagreement. Which one did Jesus do? He did the Father's will. That's submission. That's what we need to do. Submission is not agreement. It's not drama. It's not easy. It's not agreement. And it's not forced. If you want God to force you to do what you're supposed to do, you are not walking in submission. That is not what we are supposed to be, be doing. We saw how Jesus learned obedience through suffering. If there is no suffering, if you always do what you agree with, there's no growth. Growth comes from suffering. Sometimes we need to walk in that a whole lot more. Last few weeks we looked at God operates in authority and power. They are different. There is authority and there is power. We've been spending most of this time on the authority part of it. In the area of authority... Once authority has been given to us, we can either use it, abuse it, misuse it, or not use it. Last week, we looked at the fig tree. 
Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Fig tree withered and died by the next day. Then the disciples came and they saw that and Jesus gave them a lesson on faith. Remember he said, if you say to this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea, it will obey you. And we saw that that moving of a mountain is not done by the power of God, but by authority. Because if you speak to the mountain and the mountain will move. Therefore, it's not power. It's authority that's doing that. So we took these things from it. Say it. Believe it. Don't doubt it. Three steps. Say it. Believe it. Don't doubt it. There are things we need to speak to. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, when he taught us to speak to the mountain, he did not talk about addressing God. He talked about speaking to that thing. And when we are speaking to things, we say it, we believe it, and we don't doubt it. Then the very next verse, he went on, he talks about prayer. In prayer, he gave three simple things, but just a little bit different. He said, whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it, you shall have it. So in prayer, we have ask, believe, don't doubt. Here's the problem that a lot of Christians have gotten into. We are asking things and speaking to God. That is not the way we're supposed to do things. We speak to things and we ask the Father. See, sometimes people get into the teaching on faith and they think we're here to give God orders. We are not here to give God orders. We are submitted to God. He is over us. When He says something, we do it. But He gave us authority in this earth, which means when things rise up against us, we can speak to things. We don't need to speak to Him. We need to speak to things. We ended last week, we looked at the storm. Storm came against the boat. Wind and waves, water's coming in the boat. Disciples are battling the things. Then they come over and they ask Jesus. Actually, they don't ask Him. <laughs> they speak to Jesus. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? You don't speak to, to, to God. You don't speak to Jesus the way you speak to things. Ask them. Don't you care that we perish? Jesus got up. What did He do? He spoke to the things. Spoke to the wind. Spoke to the waves. Waves ceased. The wind ceased. Turned to the disciples. Where is your faith? He expected them to do this. A lot of times, folks, we are going to God asking Him for things when God has given us the authority to speak to things. There are some things we have authority in and we are to speak them. There are other things we are to ask the Father for. The Word of God gives us wisdom to know the difference. So we hinted at this a little bit before. I want to get into it here in this one. One other thing. I think I wrote it in your outline here for you today because I didn't get in last week's. Authority needs confidence. Power needs connection. Authority needs confidence. Power needs connection. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, And again he entered Capernaum, and some days... After some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them and not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. 
Now, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure this thing out. Why did they bring the paralytic to Jesus? To be healed. What did Jesus do? He spoke to the sin problem. Now, some time ago when we taught on this, we gave you these things. Just wanted to refresh your memory on this. But when paralysis gets hold of a body, we see that it has some effects. There is a ceasing of physical mobility. When paralysis gets hold of a body, there is a ceasing of physical mobility. Can't move. Legs don't move. Arms don't move. Something doesn't move. Maybe a combination of things. But the paralysis does allow basic functions. When a person is paralyzed, they may not be able to move their arms, their legs, but they can breathe. Their heart can pump blood. The body continues to function and to keep itself alive, but some of the other features that the body has are not working. When sin gets a hold of a soul, it does the same thing. It's, it brings about a cease, cessation of spiritual mobility. You can't move around as much in the realm of the spirit because of, of sin, but it allows basic functions. A person who is spiritually paralyzed is very similar to one who is physically paralyzed in that all the basic functions can still go on and you can, you can continue on being spiritual, being, being a Christian, but a lot of the good things that are part of being alive spiritually are gone from you. Just like the person with paralysis. The good things in life, being able to walk, and they're gone. So there's similarities there. There's no forward movement on the part of the person, especially when the, when the legs are involved. Whatever a person who is paralyzed accomplishes, they accomplish because of other people. When you are physically paralyzed, other people like this particular situation, someone else had to come and carry them. So someone else came and carried him to the, to the place. Because he could not get there on his own. He was paralyzed. Someone else had to do it. We depend on, on other people to do things for us. We depend on other people to walk for us. We depend on other people to carry us. We depend on other people to feed us. We depend on other people to do some of these things. Even though the body can continue to do its basic functions, I'm very dependent on other people. In the same thing in the spiritual realm, when paralysis because of sin sets in, I depend on other people. When the disciples came and they asked Jesus, told Jesus, don't you care? What are they doing? They're dependent on someone else to save them or they will die. Too often, folks, Christians are still are walking in paralyzed, uh, being paralyzed by sin. And we don't realize it because we have other people. Will you pray for me? Will you ask God for me? What does this mean? What is God saying here? And we get no forward movement in our Christian walk because we keep depending on other people because I don't think I can depend on myself. I don't think God will speak to me. I don't think God will do certain things. And it holds us back. Now, as we said to you before, authority needs confidence. Power needs connection. The two different things. The way God ministers through authority and power. Two different words. We'll get into them. Guilt from sin compromises our authority given to us. Now understand this. Authority is given, not earned. 
What did Jesus say when he told his disciples? All authority has been given. You mean Jesus didn't earn it? You mean all that living down here in life, with, uh, free from sin? Dying on the cross for our sins? Being resurrected? That didn't earn him authority? What did Jesus say in the Great Commission? All authority has been given unto me. If it was given to him, how did you get it? Remember teaching that Jesus said, What has been freely given to you, freely give. If it was given to him, what's he going to do? Give it to others. But the enemy has sold us on a bill of, bo- bill of goods that says we've earned it. We put ourselves in a position of greater authority. Authority, folks, is given. It is not earned. If it cannot be earned, can it be unearned? Not quite sure we want to answer that one, do we? If you did not earn it, can you unearn it? No. Because you didn't earn it. If you didn't earn it, you can't unearn it. Authority, folks, was given. But the enemy has sold us on this idea that if I do certain things, don't do certain things, don't walk a certain way, that authority is taken. I don't have it. But authority is what? It's given. Put this in your outline. At least I think I did. I tried to anyway. I had a... I have some things in my outline I had to take out of yours. I was deciding all morning, what do I want to cut out? And Maybe one day I'll just print two pages. As long as the enemy keeps us guilty, he keeps us from walking in authority to the degree that we should. He loves keeping you guilty. Some of the songs we were singing about today, the worship team brought in. How much of that was about getting rid of that sin consciousness? Understanding we are the righteousness of God. Grace has covered us. As long as the enemy keeps us guilty, he keeps us from walking in authority to the degree that we should. If he can keep us from walking in authority the way that we should, then doesn't it benefit his kingdom? So it's to his advantage to keep us guilty. But the way he does it is is through uh, religious ways. Because then we don't arm ourselves against it. To increase what we do in authority, it is not a matter of being given more, but in knowing we can. How many times have you thought, I just wish I could walk in more authority? I just wish I had more authority? I wish I was, this was working better for me? What you have to do is grow in confidence, not get more. And understand that we can. As we grow in the knowledge of what God has done for us to free us from sin, we grow in the authority we walk in. And depend less on others. If we depend less on others, then we can help other people by them depending on us to get them to a place where they can depend less on us and other people can depend on them, growing them up until they get to a place where they don't need the dependency there. Because dependency is not bad. It's just bad if you stay there. That's all that it is. When, when, When the kids are little, we, we love it when they're dependent on us, don't we? Oh, you want me to hold you? Oh, you want... And we, we, we love that when they're little. But if they're 16, 
and they want you to hold them so they can take a nap. <laughs> hmm. We expect a certain amount of growing up and, and not depending on us quite as much. You know, when they're one, two, three, four, and they want a drink, you go get it for them. But when they're seven, eight, nine, ten, what do you tell them? Is your hand broke? You know where the, you know where the cups are? You know where the juice is? Pour yourself a cup. You expect them to start walking into some of their own authority, some of their own things that they can do for themselves. That's part of them growing up because they don't start learning how to do that themselves. Then when they get a job or they get out there, they're, they're not able to do as much as they, they should be. Now, here's something they, to, get to get to understand. There is a difference between the authority we walk in and the authority we have been given. There is a difference between the authority we walk in and the authority we have been given. Growth is closing that gap, not learning more, but staying the same. Sometimes we measure spiritual growth by how much I know, by how much I'm learning about God. That's not spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is closing the gap between what God has given you and what you are walking in. If God has given me authority up to here and I'm walking in authority at this level, you see the gap? Growth is taking that and bringing it up. That's spiritual growth. But sometimes we've gotten lost in this thing that no knowledge is spiritual growth. The more I know about the Word. Knowledge puffs up, the Word of God says. Knowledge is not going to help you. What's going to help you is to grow. What's going to help you is understand God has given me authority in this level. Said, I expect you to operate here. Just like Jesus, when the disciples came and said, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? After he calmed the storm, he turned to them and said, where's your faith? When the disciples, what, what, uh, t- uh, some of the disciples went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. The three disciples went up and they saw the Mount of Transfiguration. They came on down and the nine that they left had encountered a uh, man with his son and uh, they, they couldn't deal with him. And so the, the, the father comes to Jesus when he comes down from the mountain. And he says, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't take care of this. Can you do something? And Jesus' response was, you remember that? Mark chapter 9. Oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Bring him here to me. Did he expect them to have taken care of this? And they didn't. God's expecting us to walk in the authority that we've been given, but we're many times walking down here. Spiritual growth is closing that gap and walking in more of the authority. Now, abuse of that authority, misuse of that authority, is walking in areas where you're not supposed to be walking in. You've got to know from the Word of God. What has the Word of God told you about what your authority is? What has the Word of God taught you about what you're supposed to do? That's what you walk in. You gain confidence from that in the, in the Word of God. Let's go on here in the story. In verse 6, And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, 
he said to the paralytic. We're going to stop there. They got upset because Jesus said something that they did not think he had the right to say. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. They have the idea that only God can forgive sins. So he goes on. Jesus perceived this was going on in the spirit. And so he deals with it right there. Here's the question. Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven you. Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. Which is more difficult? Now you think about that for a little bit. I don't know that I can answer that. But he says this. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He says that apparently. But first of all, he says something to them that they cannot see the effect of. Now he's going to say something to them that they can see the effect of. And therefore you would know whether it worked or not. So by this reasoning, the easier thing to say is your sins are forgiven because who can prove that they weren't? But to say this. Arise, take up your bed and walk. Well, we've got to see some proof on that one. So that can, be, that can be tougher. But he said this to him. But that you may know. Where do, we, uh, where do we go with that? Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive the sins. So we're going to take a look at this word for power. Over in Luke chapter 5, 17. Same story. But Luke adds one aspect to this that wasn't there. Luke puts an aspect in on this about describing the meeting, about describing the place and what was going on that is lacking in the other two accounts. So I'm going to read this verse there. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. When they gathered at the meeting, as Jesus teaches way back in the beginning of the story, it says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The word there for power is the Greek word, and you're all familiar with this one without knowing any Greek. You have a hard time getting unfamiliar with this one. It is the Greek word dunamis. It is the word we get our word, our, our idea dynamite from. But dunamis is not dynamite. We think of dynamite, you think explosion, powerful stuff. That's not what dunamis is. They took it and called dynamite it because dunamis means inherent power. And when you light a, a stick of dynamite, when the fuse reaches the dynamite, it ignites the inherent power in the dynamite. That's why they use the word dunamis for it. It means miraculous power, ability, might, or strength. That's what this word particularly means. This is not authority power. This is the two things that God walks in as far as bringing miracles and changing things. Authority and power. Here's the first one. The power of God. The dunamis of God was present to heal them. Them mean more than one. We're talking about plural there. But here in Mark 2 and verse 10, the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. This word is not dunamis. This word is exousia, which means delegated influence, authority, or jurisdiction. That's what this word is mean. So there's the two different words. In the beginning, the power of God was present to what? Heal them. But here we have Jesus talking about, and he says, the authority of God is here to forgive sins. God has given me authority in this world 
to heal, to forgive sins. So this is authority power that he's talking about here. Now, we're going to come back to here in in Mark in just a moment. Going over to Matthew chapter 21. And I copied all the passages in here except for that one. That was silly of me. So I'll have to read it off the screen. Now, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? They're asking about authority. They want to know about authority. You're walking in authority. You're operating in authority. Who gave you this authority? Go on. But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, stop on this one just for a moment. How many of you have unsaved friends or people who go to church but are ignorant of the things of God ask you questions and they are probing, ignorant, nasty questions? They're just there to pick a fight. It's just that people who ask questions, not because they want to understand, but they want to prove you wrong. So they ask questions. Have you been in that place? Have people asked you questions? You know what we're talking about. That's what this kind of question is. So Jesus says, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me. That's conditional, isn't it? Understand this, folks. Just because people ask you a question and just because you have an answer to that question does not mean you should say it. You are under no obligation to answer anyone's question. You are under no obligation to to give anyone the truth. You need to qualify them. If Jesus qualified them, you need to. So he's qualifying him here. This is a question of location. He's trying to locate where they are. Get them basically to say what it is. Verse 25. The baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? So they already know the answers to these things. Go on to the next verse. But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So let's go to verse 27 and see what they decide. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. (laughs) They figure that being ignorant is better than answering the question. Now they don't tell us which one they think. They just say, if we say it's from God, then we have a problem in this area. If we say it's from men we got a problem in this area. So let's not have any of those problems and let's just tell them, we don't know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But again, he said to them, if you answer my question, I'll answer yours. And they didn't want to do it. Go on to the next verse. But what do you think? A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it. And he went. Then he came to the second, said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Well, this one they're going to answer. They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, the tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom of God before you. Now, these are folks who when the commander of God came, said no, but then later on came along and and did it. And they would get, get in. So the next verse, 32. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. 
But tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it and did not afterward relent and believe him. John even had an exhortation for those folks, you remember? 33. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers, they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to him, to them. The last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, "They will respect my son." But when they when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him, cast him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits of their seasons. Jesus said to him, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he was speaking of them. Uh, They're smart guys. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Authority needs confidence. These guys have none because they're always trying to negotiate the rough seas. They're always trying to get in between things. If we say this, we'll have this problem. We say this, we'll have this problem. So let's not take any stand at all. Let's just go middle of the road on this thing. So he gave them some some scenarios where they couldn't go middle of the road and they had to make a stand and had to make a decision. Well, that didn't, uh, didn't go so well for them. So Jesus says these things to try and identify where they are. They decided that ignorance made them look better. <laughs> you imagine that? They decided to go with the ignorant way. I think I put this in your outline for you. People who are hard-hearted and become critical lose interest in the truth. People who are hard-hearted and become critical lose interest in the truth. This is one of the reasons why you need to qualify people before you just throw truth out to them. Because there are many people who will ask questions who have lost interest in the truth. For you to give them the truth does not help them. And it's not going to help the situation. Jesus avoided giving them the truth. Because one, they couldn't handle it. And two, they didn't want it. So you need to locate some people. I think I put this one in your outline too. If people are not willing to accept the authority you are under, they are not eligible to receive all that he has given to you. Now you've got to keep that in mind. This is, this is huge. And so many Christians walk on this life and they avoid this truth. They don't understand this truth. They don't know this truth. They reject it, whatever it is. But if people are not willing to accept the authority that you are under, they are not eligible to receive all that he has given you. That means truth. That means power. That means all kinds of things. 
when we started this, in the, in the book of Luke, we saw when we started this whole meeting, what was present to heal them? The dunamis of God was present to heal them. We know at the end of the story, how many got healed in this meeting? One person. That's not a them, that's a him. The power of God was present to heal them, but only one him got healed. Verse 10 again. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, was this man healed by authority, or was this man healed by power? Now, remember, we, we saw the clues in the last one. Jesus said to the mountain, he spoke to the mountain, he told the mountain to move, and the mountain moved. Look at this one. He says to the man, arise, take up your bed and walk. And what did the man do? The man moved. Would that seem like it might be authority? Except that it's not. It's not authority. It is power. Go back to Luke. What is present to heal them? The dunamis of God is present to heal them. If Luke made it a point to say the dunamis of God was present to heal them, what do we come to the conclusion healed them? The power of God. But it seems to have some indication like authority, like the mountain. Except that the mountain apparently has the ability to move. The man did not. The man is brought there because he has no ability to move. So for Jesus to speak to him and tell him to move, is he not telling him to do something that he is physically impossible able to do? So something must come in and change his condition in order for him to be able to do it. What comes in to change his condition to make him be able to do it? The dunamis of God, the power of God, which is identified by Luke in the beginning. So you see, the passage still tells us exactly what's going on, whether it's authority or whether it's power. We can just tell just by reading it what's going on. It's the power of God which was present. Generally, I think I said this to you before, if a, uh, in the area of healing, if it involves sickness and disease, it is authority because you have authority over the sickness and disease to tell it to go. But if something needs to be restored, it is the power of God that comes in to do the restoration. The example used, used with the woman with the issue of blood. What came out of Jesus? Power. There was no authority in there at all. Because Jesus doesn't even know anything that's going on. She touched the hem of his garment and power, Jesus identified it. Power went out from me. Dunamis power went out from, from him. He just didn't know where it went to. He wasn't involved. She was. Dunamis power was there. The power of God that was present in the meeting to heal them... Entered this man. Power needs connection. Authority needs confidence. How did the connection happen? Connection can happen all kinds of ways. There's all kinds of ways to connect into power. Just, just now, there are different ways to connect. Into, you can plug something in, into a wall outlet, and connect the power. If you are out and about in the airports and even the malls, 
have these now. Right next to their power, they have a little USB. Because if you bring your cord along with your phone, you can take your little USB and plug it in there and charge up your phone. And bypass the whole plug. Isn't that cool? Now, my phone has this. Not all phones have I don't know why all phones don't have this yet. But more phones are coming into it. I'm on my third phone with this capability. And that's wireless charging. I can take my phone and put it on a wireless stand. That's it. No connection. Nothing plugged in. I even leave it in the case. Leave it in the case. Put it on there. I'm on my third phone that does this. I know some companies haven't even put out their first phone that does it yet. I love wireless charging. It's slower than the other ways to do it. But it's so easy. You don't need any wires, any kind of connections. You just lay it right up there. And the power just comes through the case, through the phone. It finds the battery and charges it up. I haven't any idea how it works. I don't need to. All I need to know is take the phone, put it on the charger. That's all you got to do. So we're coming into more and more ways that we're able to, to do this. I, I'll bet you pretty soon you're going to have wireless lamps. Just a lamp. In, you don't have to plug them in. Just take this lamp home, put it in your, in your living room, and turn it on. And it will wirelessly connect into the power source that you have around there. You think that's impossible? Yeah. You thought a lot of things were impossible. We'll have this pretty soon. We, we'll get no more wiring in the house. Everything just be done, done wirelessly. Wouldn't that be cool? Hmm. Now, I'll tell you what. Wireless charging is great, but it's slower. I don't know if your phone has this. My phone has fast charging. And if I plug it into the fast charger, in 15 minutes, I get 13 hours of, of battery. That's pretty cool. That won't happen if I put it on the wireless charging stand. Put it on the wireless charging stand, and it's going to be there for a while. So what I did is I put my wireless charging stand next to my bed. Put the phone on the wireless charger. It charges up all night. Next day, I wake up. phone's all taken care of. But during the day, I use one of the other ones. We have so many different ways of connecting. But the connection must be made. Though my phone has wireless charging, I can carry it in my pocket. It's not going to charge up. There needs to still be a connection. So here in this story, where did the connection happen? With the women with the issue of blood, we know exactly where the connection came. We know that she said, put some things in operation, and then came up and touched the hem of his garment. When she touched the hem of his garment, power came into her body, and she said, or the passage says, that she knew in her, in her body she was healed. Knew it. But there was a connection that was made. A lot of times in the Word of God, we see connection with the laying on of hands. Hands were laid. When hands were laid upon them, power transferred. And things were done. Jesus laid hands on people. We saw sometimes that cloths were taken from, uh, on the disciples. They took cloths. They, they had them on their body. And then they sent them to the people who, who needed them. And power came out. So there's many different ways to make a connection. We're not listing them all here. But a connection must be made. What we have done instead is we try in, in, the, in the churches today. Not saying that any of you folks here do it. Uh, but there are churches out there. I used to be in one. You know, you grow up and you... I have an unspoken request. All right, well, we'll pray for that unspoken request. How can you make a connection on an unspoken request? I don't know what you're asking God for. I don't know if it's scriptural. I don't know what, what uh, scriptures you're standing on. There's no point of connection. Or we do this one. 
we have a meeting going on, we have a, an evangelist, uh, somebody who's coming in, they, he or she, they have a gift of healing on them, and we come on into the meeting, and we've got a friend, we've got a relative, we've got somebody at home, and they need a touch from God. And we are so caught up on them needing a touch of God, we come into the meeting, can you pray over me that they will be healed? See, there's a connection there, right? Well, not necessarily. Did that person authorize you? Do you have the authority to come? Or did you go out and invite them to the meeting and they say, I don't want to, I'm not going to go to any of that stuff. I don't believe in any of that stuff. And you come on out, lay hands on me. There's no connection there. It's not going to work. They shut down the connection. Same way these folks uh, shut down the connection here. But here in this story, there was a connection. As far as we know, Jesus doesn't lay hands on him. As far as we know, there's no cloth that comes from Jesus to this man. But obviously, there's a connection of power because the man came in in one condition and left in another. So where is the connection? Let's go back to verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out into the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. One of the places you will see in the Word of God, not just here but in other places as well, is that there is a connection that is made for the power of God to flow through when someone does what Jesus said. When they do what is Commanded, power flows. Now, this is a, that's a principle we've given you many times in the, in the past. And you go in the Old Testament, you'll see it. That when the children of Israel obeyed and did what God said, power flowed. When you go to the Red Sea crossing, does Moses have authority over the water? Or is there power involved? Well, look at it this way. If you went out to the Schuylkill River and commanded the Schuylkill River to part, do you have any place in Scripture that you have authority over the Schuylkill to tell it to part? No. No. But when Moses did what God said, which was, take your staff and stretch it out over the Red Sea, and he said, and it will part. And Moses took his staff and he stretched out. He did what God said. Otherwise, he's, he's looking like a fool. Can you imagine? You're going out to the Schuylkill River. Take your staff. Hold it out. What are you doing? But he does that. Holds it out. And it, and it goes. We saw that all through the Ten Miracles. God would tell him, go before Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh this is what's going to happen. Moses would go before Pharaoh, tell him this is what's going to happen, and things would happen. Bad stuff. What happened to their gods? And God was picking on, on their gods all those times. So power comes out from God and parts the water, causes it to stand up on either side, and causes the ground to become dry. That's some kind of power. But see, there was a connection that was there. Not all connections have to be plugged into the wall. We are finally just now getting into wireless power connections. God's been into them for a long time. Whatever we invent, God has it far better. I heard some, I don't know who in the world would say this, but I heard somebody 
a, a preacher was, was teaching on something, and they said that um, uh, somebody made the accusation, I wonder if God really understands radar. So, are, are you kidding? Are you, <laughs> where did we get radar from? Bats? Things like that? We uh, copied the bat. I think the dolphin even has some uh, radar stuff going on. We copied them because they were able to send out the, the signals and that bounces back to them. And they read. that's how we got into it. Our, God invented it. There isn't anything there. We're just looking at what God did and finding out another way to do it. And God's fine with that. I don't think that God has a problem with us creating sonar and like that. But there is nothing that we have created that God doesn't already know how to do better. We like our computers. Our computers are getting smaller and faster and better. But God still says, yeah, that, that's cute. <laughs> that's cute. Got a little computer thing there and can do a bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's, he's far outdone it. So when he says to him, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. He gave him something to connect on. All this man had to do was obey it. Arise. Take up your bed and walk. What would happen if this man out of his mouth said, but I can't walk? Shut it right down. Would have shut it right down. But he said to him, arise, take up your bed and walk. And the man, as far as we know, he didn't say a word. He just arose, took up his bed and walked. There's the connection. That enabled the power of God to come in. And to restore whatever needed to be restored so this man can get up and walk. He's healed on the power of God, like Luke said. So was he healed by power or authority? He was healed by power. Once someone receives the authority, the door is open to receive the power. You have to receive the authority. This man had to receive the authority that Jesus had to forgive sins. Did the um, Pharisees having a problem with that, mess up with this guy? Not at all. He could still, still believe it. People have to receive the authority to receive the power. You can't circumvent that. We're going to see this a whole lot more in, the, in some other places when, in Jesus' ministry and the things he would do. So obedience to the command proved the first part. Gave the power the opportunity. So what healed him was the power present. The power was already present. It was already there. But because the other ones had a problem with the authority, they were shut out from the power. And so the power of God that was present to heal them was shut down. But not for this man. This man walked out. But some other people could have walked out. Some other people could have had that same thing going on. But they, uh, they just didn't have it. Now, I wrote some things down here. I want to make sure I told you. In this area, Christians are trying to take authority over things instead of walking in authority they have. You ever hear Christians go around doing that? I take authority over this. Authority is what? Given. We don't take authority. It is given to us. Once it is given, we walk in it. How do you walk in it? Grow in confidence. Christians are trying to take authority over things instead of walking in the authority that they have. God has given you authority. Walk in it. You don't need to yell at the thing. You don't need to intimidate the thing. You don't need to scare the thing. 
You just need to walk in the authority that you have. That's all we have to do. Jesus doesn't intimidate, doesn't scare, doesn't yell at. He just takes authority over it. All right, one more thing in your outline for you to get. God's power over the invisible is never truly demonstrated to the world until they see God's power over what is visible. And that's why Jesus does this. The invisible was the sin. The visible was the paralysis. There are a lot of people in this world, they are not going to accept what God is doing until they see something visible. But this man accepted what he couldn't see and believed words that were spoken to him, made a connection on power, and walked out of a building. Isn't it interesting how easy he walked out when how difficult they had a time of getting in? I always get amazed at that. He just walks right out of the building with a bed. With a bed. He walks out of the building, a building for which they could not enter. But he walked out. I guess some people gave him some space once they saw him coming on, on by there, whatever that is. But authority and power. What is, what is needed to change your situation around? Are we not speaking to the things we're supposed to be speaking to? Are we asking God to change things when God told us to speak to him? Are we speaking to God like he's the thing? We need to understand how to walk in this. Too many times, folks, we've got these wrong ideas that have crept into the church and we've just hung on to them. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. Whatever the Bible teaches us, folks, there are people in the Bible who have done it. Do not believe a thing anyone ever tells you the Bible teaches you to do if they cannot show you someone who did it. The way they're trying to tell you to do it. Everything in the word that is taught that we are to do is demonstrated. Someone, someone has done this. Someone has operated in this area. Authority is not as hard as we make it out to be. And if we understand how to walk in the authority that God has given us, we can take care of a whole lot of problems that are there. Have you ever been walking into Walmart and seen parents who have lost the battle of authority with their kids? That's a hard thing to get back, isn't it? You can get it back, but it's hard. Some Christians have lost the authority battle with the devil. They gave it up. You can get it back, but it can be, you're going to have some of the same problems that a parent is going to have. What are the problems that parent has? Well, one, the child knows that when you have said something, you don't mean it. When you have said something, you don't carry it through. When you have said something, you only mean it for a day or two, maybe an hour. See, the devil has known the same thing about you too. What you have to do is when you say something, make sure you mean it. Make sure you understand, what does the Word of God tell me is mine? And when I know that the Word of God says, this is yours, I don't have to yell at the devil. I don't have to scream at him. I don't have to intimidate him. I just simply need to walk in the authority I've been given. And then once we speak in that authority, we don't have to keep hitting him over the head with it. Somehow we have this idea that if I have authority over the devil, I have to keep reminding him that every day. Why? What would you do if your boss came into your office, wherever it is that you work, and every day says, I have authority over you? What would you do? Would that not kind of set you off a little bit? 
But that's what we do with the devil. I have authority over you. Just tell me, I have authority over you. Walk in the authority. Just walk in it. Can't find one time Jesus ever said, Devil, I have authority over you. He didn't do it. He didn't need to. He walked in it. Walk in authority. That's all you need to do. If a police officer got out of his car after pulling you over, and before he gets out there, he hollers over to you, I have authority over you. What are you doing? That's why I pulled over. <laughs> I mean, isn't that why you pulled over? Because he flashed the lights and he has authority over you. He doesn't need to keep going on there reminding them of that. If, if a police officer does that, what's that tell you about the police officer? He's not very sure of his authority. He's not very confident in his job. What does that tell the devil about you if you do that to him? Authority needs confidence. Power needs connection. What is your walk telling the people around you what's happening? What's your walk doing? Are you walking in authority? That's why we're going to learn some more things about this. We want to understand what the Word of God teaches us about authority because it shouldn't be difficult. Understand this. When God has given you authority at this level, this is the level you're supposed to be walking in. Anything less is not operating where we are supposed to be. Anything less is not operating where we are supposed to be. God wants you to walk where He called you to walk. What He wants you to do, He wants you to take authority. He wants you to walk in faith. He wants you to do His work for His kingdom here in this earth and to move the obstacles that the devil, the enemy, this world puts in your way. He wants you to move them. He's taught us how to do it. So we'll get into some more things in, in this as we, as we go. Would you all stand up with me? This is our first Sunday of the month, and it is Communion Sunday. Before we go here this morning, we want to take some time off our ushers are passing the elements around to you now. Jesus, on the last night that he was to be with his disciples before his crucifixion, he had them go into the upper room. He had them prepare the meal. And then they came in to partake of this meal together. And before they partook of the meal, it said when they came in, they sat at the table, and Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. And he passed that around, and they all partook of the bread. Then they had supper. At the end of supper, he took the cup. The word's very clear on this. At the end of supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. The old covenant covered up sin. This covenant washes sin away. So the simple thing is, if Jesus died on the cross for our sin and his blood is all we need to take care of the sin problem why did he start the meal out with breaking the bread saying this represents my body what is it that covered took away your sin it is the blood it is always talked about in the word of God that his blood is what made us clean his blood washed us clean it is his blood his body 
is separate because salvation is in two parts. One part, healing for your body, and the other part, healing for your spirit. Your spirit has been reborn, washed clean, made brand new. Looks like everyone has been been served. What Jesus said to do is to remember because he knew we would forget. Too many times in churches across America, across the world, we focus on the forgiveness of sin, but we forget about the body. Isaiah tells us that upon his body was put our sickness, our disease, our pain. He bore in his body what we had borne before. So the first thing he started out with when he got the disciples together was the bread and said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. Let's eat together. After supper, he took the cup, said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. Jesus was going to pour out his blood for us. He shed his blood, perfect blood, sinless, so that we could live forever with him. Bought us back. Let's drink together and remember what he did for us. Glory to God. Let's not forget. Jesus knew we would. He knew we could. Let's not forget. We have some praise reports. Anyone didn't get a praise report in? Got a little bit of time here. You can write that up. Get it to one of our ushers. We'll, we'll read that off. It's good to hear what God is, is doing. If you want to have a seat, you can. Okay. So this one is from Alyssa. She says, Nikolai starts his new job tomorrow. Hallelujah. Um, they're already planning dinner meetings for him to meet with his future team. We're praying for peace, boldness, and discernment. Praise God. Looking for good things there. Um, Sharon says, we, this Hadat family, had a great time at Sight and Sound and spending time with our church family after, um, afterwards. Thank, oh, <laughs> thanks, Miss Connie, for getting this together. Praise God. We did have a good time. It was a great show, and there was um, 30 of us that went, so it was, it was great. Um, and Ethel, she says, uh, she praises God for starting off the new year with my church family at Sight and Sound. Had an absolutely wonderful day yesterday, and for Jolly, made it even more special by um, singing at Shady Maple. It was fun. It was awesome. Um, I wanted, I kept wanting to share this with you guys, um, and I kept leaving them at home. I have a bunch of these little thank you cards from when we did the Operation uh, Shoe Boxes for, uh, for Children. Alicia next door, her school was doing it as well, and she was having a contest. So it was um, the class that brought in the most would get a pizza party. So I gave her all of the boxes that we had gotten together, and she took them in. And then the class wrote us these wonderful thank you cards. So there's a bunch of them back there on the book table, but I wanted to read just a couple of them. Um, This one is from Amanda, and she says, Dear Zoe Christian Fellowship, thank you for all the Christmas boxes. My class and I are very grateful. It was a wonderful gift. You also gave more children happiness. So thank you for that. And some of these pictures, you just got to see them. They made their own little boxes, shoe boxes, and they're shaking them and see what's inside. Wow, that's exciting. Awesome to hear from fifth graders. Says, thank you for all of the shoe boxes you provided for children all over the world. They will be very happy. Thank you for your support. Sincerely, Shayla Brown. And just to one more here. Um, 
Thank you. Oh, this one went to uh, the women's ministry of Zoe. Thank you for sending us boxes for our school to give to kids that live in different countries. Thank you for taking your time to go to the store and buy things for the kids. Thank you so much. And others are just thanking us for taking the time to go and buy them and wrap them and give them away. And so it was just exciting to see. Um, so if you want to read any of these, take a look at the pictures. They're going to be back there on the back. Are we ready for announcements? I don't know. Okay, I do have a couple announcements. Last week, um, uh, Les and Marguerite brought in these beautiful calendars here, one for everybody. So if you did not get one, there are some still on the back table there if you'd like to pick one up. We thank you for doing that. Um, also, yeah, it was really neat. It was from our Christmas, the Christmas show that the kids did. Also, everybody's been asking about this for the um, directory. What I did was I had, I have everybody who gave me their name, address, phone number, email, I have it on here. Some of you have not given me any of that yet, and it, or you may have, and it's just not on here because I didn't have your permission yet. It's going to be in the back. I'm going to ask you just to take one minute, look at it, make sure everything is on there that you want on there. If you're not on here and you'd like to be, just put your name on here. And if you see it, please just put a check next to your name so that I know you saw it and it's okay because I don't want to publish something that somebody doesn't want um, you know, given out to people. So it's going to be on the back there. Just take a look at it and um, just check your name off as you've, you know, after you've seen it. That's it.